0: The final round of the 2023 Mountain Bike Downhill World Cup took place this weekend. So this is your Maxxis Tyres post-race show for Monson Anne with Nico Mullally and Ollie Morris. Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise then that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. On my enduro bike, I run the DHR2 Max Terra Double Down on the rear, paired up with the Assegai Max Grip up front in their slightly lighter XO Plus casing. On the downhill bike, I've gone with the DHR2 front and rear, both with DH casing and both with their super grippy Max Grip compound. Both those setups work great for me, but check out the range and look at what's going to be good for you. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at Maxxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Bike. All right, it's time to check in with Nico Mullally and Ollie Morris to chat all things World Cup Finals. What an insane race on an amazing track with heaps for us to talk about. The riders that perform, the pressure for those chasing titles, track invasions and plenty more. So without further ado, here's your Max's tyres post-race show for the 2023 Downhill World Cup Finals in Monson-Anne. <laughs> Nico Mullally and Oli Morris, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. We've had an insane uh, World Cup final in Monson-Anne. I don't think I've ever seen a better-looking track and better-looking forest to put that track through than Monson-Anne delivered this weekend. It looked absolutely spectacular from the internet sidelines Uh, and Nico, you were there on the ground um yeah just give us some insight into the venue and the vibe before we get into the track specifically because it just looks so different to how i've ever seen monson and before
1: yeah i guess they'd done a ton of work on the track um aside from it being a totally different time of year they repaired a lot of the pretty tired um sections that we raced for years in a row and what I thought was awesome was that we they added more wood sections. Normally, they're trying to make the track shorter and, and faster and take out wood sections. But they actually made a new wood section and ran the wood section that was new last year. So we were in the forest way longer than ever before at Mount St. Anne. And they pretty much repaired like the whole track. It was just like a really good prep on the first day when we got there. Obviously, the layout was really fast. It normally is pretty fast this year. Um, the way that they've marked the tracks, I think it makes for exciting racing and that tracks so long already that they, they needed to choose a pretty fast layout to try to keep the times down. Like in years past, we'd been over five minutes there. And obviously they wanted to get short as they could without compromising the track. So, um, now, from the track side, all the riders were stoked. It was awesome, fun to ride, fast. And then everybody was saying when the schedule came out that it was gonna snow at Mount St. Anne in October, but it was actually so nice out when we got there. We set the pit up um, at night, like we got there after dark. It did get dark pretty early. It gets dark at like a little after six at this time of year. Um, and we were in t-shirts and shorts putting up the pit after dark. So it was super warm. Um, the low humidity like it was honestly so nice all week until race day we just got a little bit of rain just enough to, to make things pretty spicy but um all in all like it was beautiful the time of year was awesome and it was uh it was a holiday in canada i think it's canadian thanksgiving today like this monday so there was a lot of people there i thought being late maybe like the crowd was so good last year when finn won and like the atmosphere and the finish i was like man being this late i don't know if it'll be quite as as big as it was but it was at least that big or even bigger it was absolutely incredible um yeah awesome way to finish the season yeah it looks
0: it looks spectacular ollie i don't know about you but i had a good dose of fomo that's a world cup that i wish i'd uh Ponied up and spent the money and got on a plane and gone to not like the forest looks stunning, the track looks incredible. What were you kind of feeling being on the sidelines?
2: Uh, well, yeah, obviously, not being over there this year actually, I was kind of glad because if I had been on the sidelines, I think I'd have wanted to be riding that track. It looks absolutely amazing, and uh, just here in. Uh, what everyone was saying about it but even without the info from everybody else it was clearly uh, clearly just an awesome track and Motsdam's a pretty special place in just how that track and how that hill forms tracks around it if you've ever ridden some of the other tracks on that hill they're like the most like some of them are the most technical rocky sections and, and some of them quite slow unlike the racetrack as well that I've, I think I've ever ridden um but i just love the way each year they just lay out just an awesome awesome track and even though it's god knows how many years old now it's still like you know like you say they make those additions and everybody's happy um yeah i don't in terms of track i don't think anyone's ever complained about uh monster and i think you've just said it there the the footage of the uh the or, or like the autumnal forest was um I mean, crikey, we get some colours in the UK, but not like that. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: insane. It was. Yeah, I was just looking through some photos before we hopped on this call, and I've, it just everything looks stunning. Like it looks looks unbelievable. Nico, tell us a little bit about how that track is to ride, though, because it's it's long, it's physical, and it's it's pretty brutal on body and bike.
1: Yeah, i the I'd say the first day, all the riders were saying their hands hurt and they got a flat tire. <laughs> Which seems surprising, but we say that every single year at Mount St. Anne's. Like, we have short-term memory. Like, oh, my God, my hands hurt here. It's, uh, it is, it is like I said, such a long track. And with the high speeds, and there's so much rock in it, and a ton of bedrock that is, like, at the perfect angle to just be a square edge to your tire, that it makes it pretty brutal to hold on to. And physical to, like, try to weight the bike to avoid some of that stuff like if if you wanted to it'd be so easy to break your bike on this track just tons of flat tires tons of broken wheels if you watch during practice um there was just so many of them so you want to go fast but avoid that stuff it makes it so you have to have really good timing and that timing is quite physical on a on a long run to kind of weight the bike and and unweight it where you need to um, and then some of the gnarliest sections are that main rock garden, the slab section that's pretty close to the bottom. So you're over three minutes in when you come into that section and you got to be really committed. It's, uh, it's, it's quite scary as a rider. Cause there's nowhere there that you would want to crash. Every surface is a hard rock slab or rock garden. Um, and you got to ride it really committed to ride it fast. So that That's definitely gnarly to come into at the end of a run. But, um, yeah, I'd say all the riders are saying this one, more hands than anything. Like, there's not a ton of pedaling on the track. There's a little sprint before you drop into the finish bowl. But for the most part, it's just holding on to the bike. It's physical.
0: Yeah. And are you changing anything in the setup to try and, like, get the bike to live that little bit longer and get down the hill like i'm guessing tire pressures maybe go up a couple
1: of psi inserts are going in is there much else going on um i'd say for like the bikes getting the bike through those are the main things i um i i had to share a couple of my i bought a bunch of new cush cores before the race and uh I had riders coming over to my pit asking if i had any spare <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think a lot <clears throat> a lot of people were running inserts even in the front where you normally don't um i bumped up my tire pressure um yeah that's those are the main things i saw a lot of guys gluing the tires to the rims in case they got a flat they would maybe hold on a little better um that's pretty much it bike setup wise like I, i just ran a stiffer um setting kind of all around i went for something a little softer at snowshoe which i thought would get through that main rock garden like that's the spot where most of the time was to be gained at snowshoe so i had um slightly softer spring rate and setting to match with my suspension and then at saint Anne, you just you just couldn't run that it was so fast that you needed just a little more hold up so i was stiffer on my suspension and then yeah just higher pressures and inserts to hold the, hold the wheels together. Yeah.
0: So timing is, is the key then really, because it's hard watching it on television. You could believe that people are just leaving it down to luck to some extent and like just throwing the bike in and hoping that it makes it down. But it sounds like there's a lot more subtlety to it than that, just to make sure that you're not clipping at least the bigger of the, the square edges anyway.
1: Yeah. It's easier said than done. Like I was, uh, I went up to check the track after the first day of practice. And um, I said, I said to Loic, I'm going to go, I I don't want to change my line, but I want to see what, what rocks to avoid. And he said, well, I know which ones to avoid, but I can't avoid them. So it's, uh, (laughs) it's tough to miss those square edges
0: yeah for sure Ollie did you hear much um, obviously you're in contact with uh, the Mondraker team and some of the riders that you work with throughout the weekend was there much of a struggle like for people getting up to speed on the track and sussing out lines and stuff there were, we saw a few different lines getting used in spots on the broadcast but broadly speaking it seemed quite one line yeah
2: I think I mean it's a track <laughs> it's one of those tracks that are fa- you, you go fast even when you're going slow if you know what I mean like it's it's a high speed track so um even your first run you're at a certain speed and I think sometimes especially when the conditions that we had in you know on finals day semi and and uh the final runs as it as it got wetter it was like having to it, it became even more challenging to pick what fast was because um like you you are you're going fast from you know all the time <laughs> pretty much on that track um so yeah there is that uh, just to relate to what Nico said about timing though and it's this you know we talk more about who kind of won and things like this but when you think about especially who won the men's there's uh, you know that sort of saying in boxing about like timing beats power and I think it's a prime example uh, on that track although one often assumes on these really fast big early tracks that you need to be a big strong person to deal with it um but actually if you get the timing right then sometimes that can you know you can overcome maybe a difference in strength and things like this um so yeah yeah definitely it's just like i say come back to it. it's a high speed track and one that's uh uh one that's difficult to find what the top end is on it because you're going fast from the off
0: yeah yeah all right nico let's talk a little bit about your experience of uh the race weekend itself unfortunately it didn't didn't go beyond qualifying for you this time how how has you run and uh yeah just how hard is it these days to get into that top end of the sport there's so many riders looking to fill not so many spots eh?
1: yeah i uh i just missed it the p61 is is uh always the worst one to be um honestly, my run, I didn't have any huge mistakes or issues. I just didn't push it hard enough in that run. Um, we actually didn't get any time practice the day before. So it was my first full run. I intentionally, I didn't want to do a full run because of how physical the track was. And I knew I was coming into it like a little bit lacking strength from, um, still coming back from injury. So I was kind of saving my energy for those, uh, full runs that I had to do. And I thought, you know, a, a clean run should be good. And it was just slow enough to miss, which was a bummer. Cause I knew I probably had, obviously everybody could look back and say they had a little more in there, but, um, it just goes to show you, you can't pace it these days. I especially thought like being the last race of the year, there's some guys out or North America, the field's a little lower, like all those things. I was like, yeah, just do a, just get a clean one in. Um, again with the flat tires i thought you know a lot of people would have issues with that but um yeah bum bummer way to end the year uh but all in all like the clock doesn't lie and uh that's like the the beauty of racing is you get instant feedback and a lot of times for most most riders it's uh it's not the feedback they're looking for but (laughs) you got to take that as uh as a, a learning experience, right? Yeah, and coming into the off
0: season healthy, given where you kind of started this season early on with that huge injury, like it's got to feel good to be on a positive trajectory and with a, a long off season ahead of you to to work on any kind of niggles that you've got left over from that accident.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd say um these races were a really good benchmark for me, and I was proud to be able to get back there and be in the field. It was a goal of mine, and I honestly just like mentally it kept me motivated through that recovery process there was I mean it was just a long a long time to be on crutches for three months and thinking about these races got me through it and I'm really glad that I was able to come back for it obviously the pace wasn't as good as uh, I wanted it to be or I don't know as a as a rider you always expect more but nonetheless motivating to go into the off season and I still have a lot of work to do with my leg. It's uh like the injuries healed, but the the muscle isn't balanced from left to right and I can only get that stronger with like week over week of lifting weights and eating protein. <laughs> so uh, now with an off season I'll have time to do that and hopefully come into the season strong next Good year. Good stuff, man. Well let's move
0: on to the junior women's racing, Ollie. And uh Aris Van Leuven was I guess the one that had it all to do. If she wanted to challenge for that overall, um, she's missed a couple of rounds through uh, injury, which has has cost her. Um, wasn't to be on the day. She had a fair crash at the bottom of the Stevie Smith drop, which took out quite a lot of junior riders across across the weekend. To be fair, um, Valentina Roa Sanchez took a pretty impressive win of uh, around the four second mark over Sasha Ernest and Lisa Bulado in third, which enabled Valentina to to seal up the overall, which is. Awesome, man! I'm sure she'll be super happy with that.
2: Yes, yeah, mega for uh, uh, Valentina. I mean, just just, to, just watch, as you mentioned, Erice, like we spoke about her last week, and uh, and this kind of up and down season. Like she she's clearly got the speed because she's winning one week, but obviously crashing the next week. And when she can balance that out, it'll be amazing. So, uh, looking forward to seeing some more consistency out of her going forward. Um, but yeah. Valentina massive respect she's ridden I think she's ridden she obviously hasn't won every race but she's ridden really really solid uh all year you know when you see her in practice you get that feeling that just that general feeling she knows what she's doing you know she knows what's going on she has good awareness of the bike underneath her she has good positioning on the bike um so yeah to see her take the win here uh uh, should give her some real good confidence going into the winter
0: Definitely, it's going to be an interesting category again next year. I think there's like a lot of strength in there, a lot of uh, a lot of women who've got a lot of talent coming through to threaten the elite women over the next few years as well. It's an exciting time for for the junior women field, I think, which only seems to be growing, huh?
2: It does, yeah. I think good good luck to the first year juniors juniors coming in next year because. Um, you're going to come out. Have to come out fighting, I guess, if you want some uh, some good results. Obviously, first year is normally your your, your sort of development year, but yeah, it's great to see uh, that you know the women's category, you know, and the junior women's category is growing and growing in that depth, which we've seen from round one of this year and just doubly confirmed as the season's gone on into this
0: final round in Canada. For sure. All right, let's. Uh... Wrap up the overall there. So Valentina Roa Sanchez takes the win. Lisa Boulidou in second and Aris van Leeuwen in third. So congratulations to all of them. We'll talk a bit about the junior men. Uh, Nico, the North American hopes, uh, won into the final. Unfortunately, Bodie Kuhn and Ryan Pinkton out uh, with injury. Do you know what happened to Ryan? I, I saw him on WIN TV, so he seems to be out of hospital and he looked okay. But do you know what actually happened at all?
1: Um, uh, he broke a few ribs. I'm not sure exactly where he crashed or or what happened, but I talked to him after the race, and it was, yeah, just like a kind of a minor fracture that you just wait for it to heal. So he wasn't too worried about it, obviously bummed to end the season like that. But luckily for him, he wrapped up the overall last week, so he didn't have too much to worry about.
0: Yeah, he seemed pretty stoked. So yeah, a big win in the end for Nathan Pontvian. Uh, again, four seconds over Milan Falke and Kimi Vado in second and third. An impressive
1: performance from uh, from Pontvian there, Nico, huh? Yeah, really good. Um, I'd say the, yeah, the, the French guys probably feel pretty at home in Quebec. And um, yeah, awesome ride by him. And I saw the the pink bike team was first and second as well so it's pretty cool to see the efforts that they're putting in kind of paying off definitely and cool to see a
0: couple of british riders in fourth and fifth volley, luca thurlow and don platt nice to nice to see the brits doing well
2: yeah it's great to see them in there um i think Luca's is going to be absolutely buzzing with that because i think he's started the season pretty well, not with results maybe he, that he would want as he came into it um, and probably the same for Dom really but Dom the last couple of rounds uh, has really shown to be uh, to be on that speed and on the speed again that probably I think everyone around him expected I certainly did and and uh, and certainly himself uh, did and you know there's a couple other Brits further down um, uh, uh, Owen for example Rudy and Oscar like those guys not quite in the in the top end there but Um, definitely room for uh, potential going into their second year. Actually, I think Owen is in second year, isn't he? But Rudy and Oscar uh, have got second year junior to go next year. So um, look forward to seeing them.
0: Yeah, with a few spicy additions coming into the junior men's field next year, it's going to be good. But the overall wraps up with uh, Hmm. Brian Pinkerton taking the win, Nathan Pontvian in second and Bodie Kuhn in third. So again, awesome to watch. And uh, yeah, it's been great having the junior racing available on YouTube. Uh, and televised because we've not had that in the past so it's been cool to be able to keep up with that a bit more over the year and it'd be cool to see how that develops um yeah let's move on to the elite finals um and nico it was a pretty challenging uh run into the the finals day i guess i think even the practice was pretty dry right and then the rain kind of came in quite hard just before the women's semis it's not not the ideal way after a dry week at a race to then have to go in conditions
1: you've basically not seen i suppose yeah that's like the the worst setup for a racer. Uh we we hiked up and watched practice and as soon as the final course sweep road passed, it started pouring <laughs> down rain. So no nobody got to ride the track. It was like clockwork. Like practice was until uh 10:30 and at 10:30 it started raining. So um yeah, and not a lot, but just enough to like be dangerous like the speeds were just as high but now you had all the rocks and roots covered in grease so um man it looked it looked super gnarly like for those guys they're not sure how to predict it um almost all of them need to qualify into the into the final and like i said the speeds are the same but you just have a much slipperier track to deal with so that looked really
0: difficult. Yeah, fair play to everyone that rolled the dice and uh, got it down in semis and into the finals. And it it was a an interesting final. There was quite a lot of uh action and a lot of it in the laydown rock section uh took out quite a few riders. Phoebe Tani, various people had incidents and accidents in there. Um but yeah, an, a cool uh, podium in the end. So Harriet Harden in 5th, Ollie, uh, a rider that we know I guess, best from the Enduro side, but definitely has done a lot of other stuff with cross-country, cyclocross, and now having a bit of a go at downhill. This is her second uh, World Cup and first podium. I think she was third in semis as well. Just shows, I guess, that ability of Enduro riders to ride on instinct maybe and and deal with conditions that are changing and tracks that aren't what they maybe thought they were going to be when they set off from the top. It's cool to see yeah it's really cool to see she's um uh I, I think one of the most like
2: efficient riders out there is the word i want to use you know she just kind of I, I think i mentioned this before but she just carries like good speed all the way you know like and, and obviously to maybe go out and win one of these things that good speed has to then just get raised slightly but she keeps that good consistent speed all the way down and it's uh and it and it works um and it works really well for her um and prob where does it come from as you say she's got that diversified like background uh of riding um from cyclocross xc enduro like she's kind of got it got it all if you like and uh and i think that's where you know she she forms this efficient style and um yeah i'm sure the more experience she gets in downhill she's already getting podiums this year i don't think she hasn't quite confirmed whether she's racing downhill next year or not yet unless i've missed it um but the last i heard she was kind of You know, it was still up in the air, I think. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully she does because it's yet another uh, very strong candidate for podiums and potentially wins going forward.
0: Yeah, if I was going to try and read between the lines from a Win TV interview after the race, I'd say (laughs) she wants to ride downhill, but she hasn't been able to confirm it yet. Like, it looked like she was really enjoying it and was kind of keen to be back for more. So, I'd be ace to see more of Hattie on the downhill circuit. She's a talented rider. Uh, Nico, monica harasnik in fourth and uh, a best a season best for very widman in uh third again two riders that got down kind of i guess clean is a, and efficient is the way to put it there was a lot of mistakes made and it it definitely paid to kind of keep things in a in a pile and get down uh yeah without incident it looks like those two did a really really good job of that
1: yeah as you said like just having those clean runs you could lose time in huge chunks with with issues and we saw a lot of it in that rock garden in the women's race uh, but yeah awesome for veronica she has had a kind of a rough couple years uh she was showing a ton of promise went to madison saracen a few years ago and never really took it to the next level or was able to step up and um, become a consistent podium rider then this year transitioning to the Continental Nuke Proof team, she um ends the season like this with a third place is is gotta be awesome and motivating going into the offseason. So hopefully she can start to get back on that track that that she was on a few years ago. Yeah, definitely.
0: And then I guess that you know, with Valley having already stitched up the overall, the battle really was between Nina and Maureen for for second and third in the overall Ollie. And I think both riders, it looked like, threw everything at it. Maureen was on a real charge, uh, absolutely flying, um, but made quite a lot of mistakes and then went down really hard kind of after, I guess we'll call it Greg's Gap, Simba's Leap, whatever you want to call it. But that looked like a pretty horrible crash. She went down hard. She went down really hard, didn't
2: she? I think I I was counting. I I think it was nearly at least a third, maybe half the field, I think it was a half actually of the finals field and the women's crashed pretty much within about like, well, basically in that rock garden, you know, (laughs) within about 10 bike lengths of each other. Um, And Marines, yeah, was a big, uh, big off. Uh, Really felt fair. It was cool. It was really cool. I know, yeah, like you say, we were fighting for second place, weren't we? But it was just cool that you had that battle and you could clearly see those two were like in the battle. I almost wanted to watch the. It, it it this wouldn't be possible but even live I wanted to kind of watch both runs at the same time because uh, <laughs> it would have looked really cool to see uh, you know see them sort of almost like neck and neck at times and then obviously until uh, until the crashes then, then that obviously and it cost Marine more her crash but um, it's not like Nina's run was uh,
0: non-eventful hey yeah Nico let's talk about Nina's run again she got pretty loose in uh, Lidal and uh, kind of that was the beginning of things going wrong. She said after that, she felt like she just lost all of her energy and came into the finish line gap with not enough speed, but still went for it. And uh, sort of reminded me of a little moment you had there last year, coming in with a with a flat and, and taking that, that leap. That she blew her front tire up on the landing and somehow managed to roll out of it and get across the finish line. Like that was far from a perfect run, but like actually pretty impressive to get it
1: down and to get second. Yeah. It was incredible, like, watching at the finish, seeing her hit that tree in the rock garden and then uh, get back on track and be just ahead at the split. It was like, man, this is such a crazy race. And then to finish like that is, like, wow, incredible. <laughs> I don't know how she managed to blow her front tire off but and ride it out, but, uh Yeah. I'm sure she's she was relieved to cross the finish line on that run and even better to go into the hot seat with all that going on.
0: Yeah, it shows how strong Nina must be. Like, to case a jump hard enough to blow your front tyre off the rim. And she didn't seem to kind of crumple into the bike or anything. Like, she must be super
1: strong. Yeah, I... I can't imagine blowing the front tire off. Uh, When I blew the back tire off, it was hard enough. (laughs) Yeah, props to her. Yeah, amazing work. And then Valley Hole, I
0: guess, in a most dangerous version of Valley, right? She's got zero pressure. She's there to ride, do her best, enjoy herself. I don't think she knows how to go slow, so she, she went hard. But that run just looked super committed, super precise, Ollie, talk us through it from your perspective. That's a huge win in thirteen seconds is is uh, not to be sniffed at these days.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely not to be sniffed at. I think
2: you like if every other rider could bottle the how uh, Valley was feeling, like her kind of general approach and mindset to the run. If you could bottle that for every single run of your life, uh, you'd be doing pretty well, wouldn't you? You know, and that's every rider, you know, any level, I'm sure. Um, because you could tell how relaxed she was through that run. Um, uh, it was, and, and I think that's what helped. And, and Nico mentioned about timing uh, being so important on that track. And the more relaxed you are, the more you can focus on that timing and and sort of drop the usual maybe desperation to get to the bottom and, and then knocking your timing out kind of thing. So, um, yeah, to see that run, to see that timing matched with the commitment. Yeah, like you say, it didn't look... I couldn't see her holding back or any of that. She was she was definitely going for it, but definitely in a very calm way. And um, I loved watching that run. It was a run that, uh, like... Yeah, you just wanna see more of if you know what I mean. You wanna see riders riding more like that more often because it was um I, I don't wanna use the term <laughs> I'll use the term that commentators often use, which is like that poetry emotion commentary uh, commentary typical kind of wording. But in in that run, it was very like that, you know. She was very it was just it worked and everything came together well. And um yeah, I think it's you know, it's it's gonna definitely show the women's field that, you know, that's what they need to work on this winter you know nina's got the closest to her and and obviously on an occasion beaten her but um uh you know the 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 fighting pack behind them should we say uh that's what they need to work on for sure to be able to be up there and and fighting for those wins with valley
0: definitely yeah the bar is high so yeah valley takes the women's overall Mm. uh obviously the week before but then the the second place goes to Nina Hoffman, third to Marine Cabarou, Monica Rasnick in fourth, and uh, Camille Boulange in fifth. So that's wrapped that one up. And then we're over to the elite men. Um, and just a couple of quick observations from the the men's semi. I mean, it was pretty obvious that Jackson Goldstone was in a good place. It was insane to watch him look like he was playing his way down the track and uh, going as fast as he did. So you could kind of see that was ominous. Ethan, I was obviously turning up the wick, so that was cool to see. But there was a few uh, struggles out there, Ollie. One of them was uh, Laurie Greenland, a rider you know well and work with. Um, the fa- sort of fatigue and illness that he's battled with this season, just again taking its toll. I'm guessing he's going to be glad to put this season behind him and keen to to get healthy and move on after that.
2: I think he literally rolled through that semi-finals run and run, just carried on peddling back to the UK. To be fair, <laughs> Chris, mate, um, he, uh, uh, it's uh, he actually. Had, if you look at his season, which I haven't in depth yet, but if you look at it as a whole, he's had like I think three podiums. Uh, he's got he's got that uh, bronze at the World Championship. If you look at it, it's kind of I'm sure many riders in the world would pay good money to have a season like that. Um, uh, but at the same time, if you look at potential of Ryder, you know that there's a lot more there kind of thing. And obviously, this health, ongoing health issues, costing him. So, yeah, like I say, I think he's, uh, I think he gets home any minute. To be fair, and he'd be happy to, um, happy to be back. And, and num- it, it's quite obvious what his focus is now. You know, sometimes you have got to sit down and almost be like, right, what do we need to work on to improve for next year? Well, obviously, the thing is get better, yeah. get healthy. And then, you know, he's he's clearly quite good at riding bikes, isn't he? So, uh, you know, it's the health bit he needs to sort first.
0: Definitely, yeah. It'd be good to see him back on form next season. And then Nico, a couple of riders that didn't make the cut. Greg Minar out uh, with a sort of suffering with a shoulder injury. Um, Not the sort of track where you want that, I guess. But also Jordan Williams, again, not kind of making the cut. It's been a real up and down season with, for him, I think, like taking that first win and then having some races where he seems to be kind of on the pace and others where he's struggled and hasn't made that cut. It's, it's a challenging first year, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm um, not sure what what issues he had during his semifinal run. He looked really good out there in practice. Um, obviously had a great result snowshoe last weekend. So um not, not sure what it was that held him back. But um, yeah, it's got to be a tough like, after that first win, you have to be so stoked, but like anything else, the season is a bonus, but still, um, that kind of becomes a new bar for you and you want to live up to that at the races to follow. So that's, that's gotta be a interesting spot to be. And I think it, it, through all that, it teaches you a lot and it makes you a mentally tough rider. So I think that maybe some trials and tribulations following the win but he'll he'll be stronger for it um and then i was talking to tom duncan greg's mechanic and he said greg could couldn't even put a t-shirt on couldn't lift his arm over his head to to get his shirt on his shoulder was so um so messed up from from the crash so uh close anyway to making the semifinal, but it's interesting for greg because it's like it's definitely not the way that he wants to end the season and also talks of maybe retiring you don't want to end like that but uh with how fast everybody is and and the level it's like it it might not actually even get better to to keep pushing but with saying that if anybody can go against all odds to do something, it would definitely be Greg Menor. So I hope that we see him racing more. And I, I don't think he'll want to end on this note. The um,
2: I was just going to say, in relation to obviously riders like him and Jordan not getting into the finals, uh, and I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts, and especially yours, Nico, that obviously with there no been no points for the semis. Like, you had 60 riders going into the final day um effectively doing a semi-final and a final is is kind of having 90 male riders doing timed runs in a day Um, whereas if you just dumped the 60 straight into a final you would just have 60 on this i mean there's obviously talk of dropping the semi-finals in the future anyway but i just mean for like the final round it to me it felt like the semi was there was just no point other than just cutting 30 riders out that Kind of wrecked uh, the potential for a little bit of fun and a bit of more, like you know, having like people like Jordan in the finals. Uh, anyway, but yeah, what what were your thoughts on that? And was anything discussed when you are out there? Was there any other people saying about like what's the point in the semis uh, based on at the final round?
1: There, there definitely was going into the weekend. I honestly, I was expecting a little bit more strategy from some guys who, the guys who were protected, or the guys who. Um, didn't really need to make the cut but then with the rain coming in i i feel like there was a, a big motivation to feel the track out like the o- the only reason to do the run out of pace would be to see what the condition would be like for the final run coming up mm-hmm. um but it's a tricky balance because for for any of those guys competing for the overall even a small crash and you know hurt your finger or something like it could all risk taking away from the final run so In the end, like it seemed like everybody just raced it like normal. And I guess as a racer, it's like that's what you're ingrained to do. And if you try to think outside of that, like if you just go as fast as you can and follow your process, then that's the space that your body works in and knows how to react to. So it seems like that's what everybody did in the end. But I I definitely was wondering if if some guys would – play any strategy and uh yeah nothing 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 strange happened but i would agree with you ali uh i could do without the semifinals. it seems like everybody's racing twice that day like you have 60 guys doing the run and then you have 30 guys and you could just add a little bit bigger gaps and have the 60 guys do their run once and that seems more similar to what downhill is
0: yeah Fair comment, right? Let's um, let's talk about the men's elite final. And normally, I try and hold off from talking about the winner for a bit, but I can't. It was too exciting. That run from Jackson Goldson, Ollie, was unbelievable. Like he looked, he made that look so i mean easy is not the right word but it was just so light touch so playful on the bike like everything looked great the speed and like commitment he went off the stevie smith drop at was ridiculous i that was i mean a 4.3 second margin on a track okay it's a long track but that's over a second a minute pretty much like that wild right we don't see runs like that very often that was pretty special i don't think we've seen a margin like that in a long time have we especially well, as we've spoken about in
2: previous uh episodes of when we've um with the semis and then the finals people have been getting closer and this week they weren't uh uh yeah and you've got to add to it like and obviously people who sort of know jackson and even know of him and a little bit about him uh maybe this shouldn't be a surprise but he's in he's he's on his home turf right he's, well, he's in canada um he's you know they, everyone's kind of wanting him slash expecting him to win a little bit there as well I hear all the fans they're all you know shouting everything I hear as well they were everyone was thinking Laurie was Jackson you know any excuse for like a slightly shorter guy on a Santa Cruz they were shouting Jackson Goldstone from what I hear like like it was you know all that expectation you'd think that would build quite a lot of pressure you know and then you put the the into that, that sort of mixing pot, you put the fact that it's his first year elite, you know, and his age and all of this stuff into that, to then still deliver on that run shows that uh quite clearly uh he's got um just a little bit of talent to be able to throw at the uh throw at this game. Um uh it was insane to see he, like you I think you've summarised his run well, but yeah, that like bounciness that we've spoken about with Jackson. That timing, and I think it's his timing of his bounciness, isn't it, that he had, where he'd, you know, hit the hit the downsides, he'd go that little bit longer and land that little bit smoother off the gaps, you know, he'd he'd um, or over roots, you know, he'd make sure he weighted up properly so he wouldn't slide quite as much as the 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 next guy, so, you know. He put yeah, like you say, five seconds into second place, and uh, you know, and that soon. By the time you get to tenth, I think that soon gets to about nearly ten seconds or something by the, or eight seconds by the time you get to tenth place in Loris Vergier, who uh, you know he's not a bad bike rider either, <laughs> is he? You know, like he's someone that you you know you would think could potentially win one of uh, win the, this weekend. Um, so, but it's the fact that Jackson's doing all of those little things that little bit better all the way down, and that's just given him that slightly better average speed over what is a very long track, and uh, hence the reason he smoked everyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, incredible. And Nico, Jackson's not had these easiest of seasons. He's spent quite a lot of time in and out of hospital on pretty strong antibiotics, had that appendix surgery in the middle of the season, missed world champs as a result of that. Like, It's pretty ominous that a guy can have a fairly rough season first year elite so still kind of learning the ropes i guess and still put in performances like this and take second in the overall. surely that's got a that's got to worry everyone in the off season like where do you go uh
1: when you're competing against someone like that yeah absolutely i mean it just shows his talent as a bike rider and um i'd say more so like look at that gap that he put into everybody in the final and the semifinal, like the amount of time that he put into the field was incredible on maybe one of the most physical tracks of the year. For a guy who you wouldn't expect to be the strongest on a physical track. And as Ollie said, it's like technique outweighs strength any day. So he he showed that in both those runs yeah
0: incredible to watch and i'm excited to see what we get from jackson in future years and future races ollie let's talk about second place man Ethan Crake. um another incredible run a very different run to jackson's felt pretty intense to watch Uh, i'm sure it felt pretty intense to ride uh literally like front wheel sliding off the stevie smith's drop Uh, a few mistakes in there for sure but he was Fully committed and going hard, and held on to it to the bottom. That again was quite a gap from uh, from third, really.
2: Yeah, it was super impressive. And again, I think the impressive thing was the how he managed the pressure because he'd obviously delivered on that semi-finals run, hadn't he? Uh, and and let's be honest, when there's younger, newer riders on in that sort of place when they've qualified or you know had the semi-finals that have gone well. Uh, sometimes it they push it too hard and and uh and fair play i mean ethan did go on the edge of pushing it too hard in places uh there was this uh i swear i saw him at the top there was he, he made quite a big mistake at the top and if you look at his sector time he was still actually faster than jackson even with that big mistake at the top so he's um he's clearly got the speed we've spoken about him oh um you know he's been rising through the season hasn't he we've seen him you know more and more in this top 10 group and we've mentioned him before Um, but he has always had the pace and he's always had the pace from a very young age you know and I've mentioned how he used to win kind of local races where he'd be beating Bernard and people like that so he he's shown that he's got the speed from a very young age he hasn't had the most amount of uh, luck I suppose over the years Um, but it's all you know it's a bit like I remember Omre, you know, Omri it looked like he sort of jumped onto this onto the scene, didn't he? And came from nowhere. And he definitely didn't come from nowhere. He he just used to crash a lot, you know, when he, in his like end of junior, start of elite years. And then it seemed like he just arrived, didn't it? And he did, anybody who was in this game knew that he was always around and always one of the fastest, just wasn't actually winning. And and I think Ethan actually is like a maybe even a slightly more extreme version of that. Like he he is super fast. And uh, but just hasn't, you know, I guess probably a lot of people have never even heard of the lad uh, until this season and, um, and to round off the season in second place uh, behind the big shiny Jackson Goldstone uh, in his home country. Uh, Yeah, you've got to give it to Ethan for that.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I hope he hasn't signed his contract for 2024 yet because I'm sure he can add another zero onto it after the last couple of races. He's had an insane end to the season, (laughs) so it's been good. I
2: reckon he just wanted his contract signed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah, obviously with GT not not being on the circuit next year by the sounds of things, it'd be uh, interesting to see where Ethan ends up. Uh, Nico, let's talk about Loic Bruni. I mean, a champion... We've seen many champions rides from Loic. This was not an easy one for him. He came in, I think, pretty sore off the back of that crash in snowshoe. And uh, I heard him say, normally you're you're battling with one guy and he sort of felt like he was battling with everyone this time around. It was a lot of pressure on his shoulders to get a good run down this hill to take that overall. Um, I'm sure from what he said, he would have liked to have ridden it better. But he executed, he did what he needed to do and uh, that third place was enough for him to take the overall and, and an impressive run, I think, considering everything he was up against.
1: Yeah, a, a true championship performance. Um, how how tough would that be to be up there with everything to lose racing against all these other riders that have nothing to lose? Like They just shoot their best shot at you and hope something sticks, and if not, then they're still second, third in the overall. And Loic's got, like, he's he's shown, I, I believe, like, through the weekend and the past couple races that he is the best guy. He just needed to have a smooth day with no issues. And, man, that's gotta be such a tough mental space to be in, coming into a run. And he managed it perfectly. Obviously, the outcome was exactly what he needed. Um, probably would have liked to race for the win, but I think he knew with everything at stake that his, um, his strategy was, was the right one. Um, I, I was like, as soon as it started raining, I was a little bit worried about those guys going for the overall, like how much of a wrench that would throw into it already Mount St. Anne being probably the worst on bikes, like the most flat tires that we've ever seen, this year in practice, I was hoping, you know, for everybody that, you know, they just have a smooth day, no mechanicals, no issues. So on top of like the track being quite known for mechanicals, it starts raining right before the semifinal after it's been dry all week. And that throws a whole nother thing into it. And Loic managed it all perfectly. Like he had every every element thrown at him and he uh, he did exactly what he needed to do to to wrap up the title so he's um that's why he's super bruni when he gets into that situation he rises to it whereas i think it's difficult for other riders like whenever Lars has been in that spot it seems like it's held him back a little where loic it it makes him even better
0: yeah, thrives under pressure. That guy for sure. Uh, Ollie Bernard Kerr really warmed up at the end of the season. Took a fourth place. He said he was a bit disappointed not to not to beat Lowick, but I think he was happy to be on the podium again and round out a pretty good season for him overall.
2: Yeah, really good season, especially that you know the finish of the year as well. Um, yeah, one thing I was just thinking then was how like Bernie and Ethan both from the south of England, uh, uh, going to Montserrat and getting on the podium. Um, (laughs) uh, For anybody who doesn't know South England, the hills aren't very big. or they're non-existent so like you know for riders like that to uh, you know cut their cloth as it as the term may say in sort of places like the surrey hills and down south to then turn up on these massive tracks and and deliver i think it's cool um but yeah bernie i think i saw i think it was his last post he's just put online uh he was saying about how uh because uh, he hasn't got this win yet, this elusive win that he wants, the the, the win that says he can then retire. So it sounds like uh, from what he's saying in his post, he goes again next year. So I'm sure nobody's going to complain about that because he brings a, a good race and, uh, you know, he's always one in there doing the big gaps first or... Maybe sometimes the only one doing the gap. But, um, yeah, so bring it on. He's He's got to come back and try again next
0: year. 100%, yeah. If uh, it keeps him racing and it keeps him on our TV screens, then that's all good with me. Nico, let's talk about fifth place, Gaetan Vige. Now, Gaetan, isn't, he hasn't come from nowhere, but he's had a, a bit of a rough run, I think. And, again, a rider that I, d- I don't think many people would have put money on being on the podium. That was a super cool result, hey? Like 7.3 off the win, um but yeah solid solid podium for gatean at the end of the
1: year good motivation into the off season yeah so so cool to see and he he absolutely earned it like he improved in every session and he had equal conditions to all the other guys and came down and just laid down an, an absolute heater of a run to to get on the podium it's, he, i don't think he got lucky with um you know other guys having out of the ordinary issues or him having you know, a weather-affected race. He, like, he went to the hardest track of the year and got on the podium with an equal opportunity of everybody else. So I hope he could take confidence and um, and be able to do that more often. He's had a, an, an up-and-down career for sure. Um, I remember when he was junior, he was on the, the Comensal Valnor team, which is now the Muckoff team. And then he rode for Scott for a couple of years, which was after I left the team. And I remember anytime I stopped by over there talking to him and, um, yeah, he's just kind of struggled since then to have consistent results. He's obviously looks great on the bike and has really good technique when you see him ride, but you know, sometimes he'll impress you with a top 20 and other times he'll be just way off the back of the results sheet. And, um, for him to ride to his very best this weekend must've felt awesome. And, uh, you know, he'll have that podium, to remember for the rest of his life so he should be super proud of himself
0: yeah incredible work from Gaetan let's talk about a few of the other riders in the order Oli it wasn't to be for Loris Vergier he was the the main man I guess to be challenging uh, Loic for that overall but a pretty bad crash in practice I think left him with a with a sore thumb that I think he was taping his hand onto the bars and basically just said like he didn't he couldn't get onto the pace like he couldn't really quite get there this weekend it's a shame to see but i mean even loris on a bad day is still in 10th but it's a track where we'd expect well on every track i guess we'd expect a bit more from loris probably
2: yeah real shame with like you say the injury but um yeah coming back to our point that we started the uh uh, the podcast on about this timing thing. Loris' timing is generally, you know, a one, and you know, still wasn't his run. It was just it, well, he probably didn't have quite that, and due to injury, quite that intensity that uh, that it demanded to take the win this weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we said last week, he's been bubbling around, like kind of quietly doing his thing this year, and uh, you know, and still ended up in a in a pretty damn good position uh, in the overall even though uh, this weekend didn't quite um, work for him
0: yeah for sure Nico let's talk about Finn Isles um again it's been a challenging season for Finn he was on a tear I would say like that was a, a pretty incredible <laughs> run that he had going there looked super fast and super strong but wasn't to be uh at that slide out on the exit of the the kind of big rock section and um I think he was pretty upset by it. Like he looked like he was really kind of down and questioning things. It's, uh, it's hard, I guess there's a lot of expectation on him after the win there last year. Um, and clearly
1: had the speed, but it just wasn't to be on the day. It's tough to deal with. Yeah. I think Finn's kind of struggled the past, past few races with, um, just not being able to tap into that speed that sometimes it seems like he can so easily. Um, in his run, like, at the finish area, when he came through the first split two-point-whatever seconds up, it just erupted. Like, people were going insane when his times were so far ahead and building at every split. Uh, the crowd was just loving it. And, um, yeah, in the end, like, when you look at the splits against Jackson, he was maybe a second off before he crashed. It would probably have been tough to uh, to bring that back. But, um, nevertheless, like Finn absolutely went for it and going through the rock garden and the spot where he slid out is so terrifying to go through as a rider is like a stepping left turn on rock slabs that are wet and slippery. And there's like elevated edges that you need to like unweight over to not slide on. And, uh, man, that's like such a scary turn to go through that fast. And, uh yeah he went for it like he's got to be proud of that he had some unique lines up on the track in that like fresh cut section i meant to ask him if he did it on purpose or not but he he, like went low through that section which seemed like after the rain was getting pretty slick and he just bombed it in low and, and and built through that split so i think it looked like he intentionally did it but um nonetheless like his riding looked incredible he looked good on the bike um specialized bikes were obviously working great out there and uh i'm sure he wanted more to end the season but you'd rather go out swinging than than come up short so props to him for putting that run together
0: yeah someone else that went out swinging ollie was ronan dunn i think he was in it for nothing less than a podium or death and he went with the death option but he still manages to shrug these things off he seems to have so many crashes throughout the week He's made a strong stuff, eh? Like, what what does it take to take him out of action?
2: <laughs> he's hard as nails, isn't he? There are so many crashes over the past three or four rounds where I've been like, oh no, poor lad, he's out and he just keeps coming back for more. So, yeah, yeah, you expected a wild run from him this weekend. Um, you know, he's sort of, he's always been that wild guy, hasn't he? And, and actually, the fact that he started. Posting these, these well, obviously last week's second place, and you know these more regular top tens shows that he's he's learning how to balance that uh, that intensity and sort of balance that like raw speed he's got. Um, but maybe this weekend he got a little bit excited as he was so close last week and thought he'd uh, throw it all at it. And fair play to him. Uh, fortunately, sounds like he's okay. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean he was. You look at his split on that top bit sector he was just behind finn um, by only about point two or something like that so he was he was up for the fight this week that's for sure he was
0: flying for sure nico someone else who was uh up for the fight with the track and a few of the trees on the way down was andy cole clipped that tree that he'd hit in semis but somehow just carried on riding through it like it must be i mean that's it it looks like a pretty gnarly section of the track anyway, like gapping down into that left hand turn and smashing through a tree on the way past. Like ha- how? <laughs> What's going on?
1: Yeah. Uh, I couldn't believe that he almost hit that tree a second time. You can't see on the camera, but where they're gapping from has a huge root that is parallel with the track that you gotta take off of. So it's it's a it's definitely a gnarly section. Um but yeah, he's Such a strong dude that if anybody can take hitting a couple trees, it's uh, an Austrian logger like him. (laughs) But uh, no, I mean, I'm sure he was bummed to be just off the podium. He's had such good results and building through the year and been, he got the win and he was very close in Leger. So I know he probably wanted uh, at least to be on the podium at each race, but all in all, great season for him and good end of the year.
0: Yeah, it was pretty impressive, and then another impressive run from Dakota Norton wasn't the one that he wanted. I'm sure Ollie had that crash, but to to have a crash at a World Cup finals and lose air out of your rear tire, assume it's done and not pedal across the finishing line and still get sixth, like there's some serious serious pace in this lad that at some point is going to convert into a into a winner.
2: Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? Because we didn't see the crash on. Uh like on the live stream, but you saw the mud on him. So you knew he'd been down and it was, but then, and so it was like, oh, you kind of sort of even watching you gave up, didn't you? And then like, and then he came through the next split and was only at the time, uh, about two, two and a half seconds back. And it was like, oh, hold on a minute. This is all still on kind of thing. And we know uh, that he builds really well through, through runs. You know, we know he's a strong finisher. So um, yeah, it was a a crazy run and uh, to be seven back, I mean, I'm sure he's obviously happy that he can still be in sixth place with a run like that. But I guess there's also part of it, which is that like what could have been for him. Um, So, yeah, it's awesome to see him up there and fighting.
0: Yeah, it is uh, impressive work and cool to see him in like good spirits after results that must be pretty challenging. Um, Go on, Ollie.
2: No, I was just going to say actually. Whilst we're talking uh, uh, about American riders as well, uh, on, on my under my wild runs um, category, but also what an awesome result is Dylan Maples to deliver that thirteenth place. Uh, um, I mean, his run was like almost scary to watch, but like it's that exciting thing you know whether it's 13th 30th or first place the the way he delivered that run uh is what maybe the fans kind of want to see don't they you know like maybe the opposite of say a Bruni run which is impressive in different ways because it's you know kind of quite perfect and smooth and Dylan was just you know I respect him I don't really know him very well but um just thought it was awesome how much he just threw it down. He's got this opportunity on obviously on the Commonwealth team, uh, and yeah, he just went all out for it. So yeah, good on him.
0: Yeah, it has been super cool to see him like settling more and more into that team. It'd be interesting to see whether that's something that can continue in any way for next year or what level of support Dylan will get. It'd be cool to see. And yeah, a few other riders that I think you know deserve a shout out there: Baptiste Pieron in eleventh, Ocean backing up with a pretty good result in twelfth. Uh, Phil Atwell in 14th is super cool to see. David Palazzari in 15th. Uh, Lucas Cruz 18th. Toto back up there in 19th. There's a lot of riders. Like I, We said at the start of the season, I think, that there's a lot of depth uh, in the field now, but it still sort of felt like maybe there was only these like four or five guys that were really going to win and maybe like seven or eight that you're going to see on the podium. But Nico, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like we've had a really varied season with lots of people putting in you know solid top 15 performances, lots of people across the podium,'d be interesting to see actually just how many different riders we've had on those podium spots over the year, but it feels deeper than than ever really, and way deeper than even I thought it was at the start of the year
1: yeah, absolutely, and guys rising to the occasion um, it was incredible that until this last race we had a new winner at every round, including the world champs like how exciting is that as a fan. Um, I think as we got to these last couple, the feed the field was definitely depleted a little bit, and I wonder if maybe so much racing through the weekend has contributed to that at all. But um, yeah, it seems like there was as, as the season went on, we were definitely missing a couple top guys. Um, but that yeah, that last final was was wild. Um, in the beginning, when we were watching it on TV, like the first few guys were all having problems like whether it was a crash or a bike issue it was like it took until five or six guys came down to we got a, a solid run through and i was i was worried like man how's this one gonna go is it up there they they're like unsure how to predict how the track is um they obviously got to feel it out in semis but then it changes again for finals and maybe they're expecting it to be more dry and pushing harder or i'm not sure what the the case was but uh, it, it seemed like it was off to a rough start for the final and then um, quickly like the more experienced riders started to settle in and and uh, the it just I don't know these last two were just so exciting to watch it seemed like as you got down to the end of the start list the, each guy kept stepping it up and stepping it up and it was very exciting race yeah it's
0: been an incredible season to watch and at least the overall with Loic taking the win Jackson in second in his uh, first elite season which is damn impressive Loris in third Finn in fourth and Andy Colb in fifth so a- an awesome chunk of talent there with a lot of other riders kind of close on their heels um, a few odd things from the weekend we had a, a track invasion I believe Nico uh, while Jackson was just about to head into the finish, someone decided they were going to get on the track and were wrestled out by a security guard and uh, and one of the photographers, Zach, I think, who uh, kind of helped out. Like, Is that a first? I, I don't remember ever seeing a track invasion
1: at a World Cup before. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It was crazy, though. Um, it's not like, obviously, what you want is... Uh, the worst would be it was only 20 seconds before Jackson came through that that dude ran out onto the last jump and who knows if he would have ran across the other side or what but um it's definitely you you want everybody to have a fair race but i guess these are the growing pains when our sport's big enough where we have so many fans wanting to break the barrier and run through the finish line that uh there's (laughs) i guess that's a it's like a good growing pain to to get through
0: yeah definitely and it was it was kind of uh interesting to see it looked like there was maybe some more thought that went into the crowd control side of it this time because as soon as Jackson crossed the finish he almost got like swiped by someone in that looked like security dragging him like out the way of everything and they put a line of people across the finish line arch which is again I've not seen that before like was it it, it all seemed well mannered though right was everyone everyone was
1: happy and okay I guess yeah I, I think they're just inspired by the French and Leger and they want to break down the barriers and run and, and uh, celebrate with the winner. And honestly, it's, it's super cool. Like it makes the sport seem like it has so much passion when the fans want to do that. I, I definitely think it's a cool thing as long as it can be safe. And um, it seems like, yeah, I was impressed how well security was able to handle that situation. Like I didn't know if they would be expecting somebody to run across the finish line, before jackson came down and the fact that they had a guy there ready to deal with it like showed that they uh they they handled it perfectly and then to have like a elevated um athlete area above the finish and as soon as jackson came through them sweep him up to there where he could not be tackled by the fans like of course they wanted to they wanted to crowd surf him around but uh they kept him like close enough that he could, you know, throw his goggles or they, they had all those funny outfits they were throwing to him and he would throw them back and they had to interact with him, but they weren't able to like just anybody go and tackle Jackson. So it seemed like they managed it well. And um, the crowd was just awesome. Like so cool to see that perfect atmosphere for a finals. Um, Looking back, like, 10 years ago, Mount St. Anne sometimes wasn't the most, the, the best atmosphere. I remember riders commenting that before, that it was felt kind of dead compared to European races. But these past two years, and especially this weekend, like that was one of the most incredible finish areas. Maybe not at the level of Leger, but um, aside from that, it's got to be getting really close. Yeah, that's awesome to hear, man. And
0: it's been an incredible season as a fan to just be a part of watching this racing and watching the story unfold Ollie, any like thoughts from you on the season as a whole like how have you found it as a as a fan and also as someone who works so closely with a lot of the riders
2: um I think long and tiring are probably the first <laughs> words that actually come to my mind as a, as a member of staff but um but no from a, ser- from a serious standpoint as a fan it's just been awesome hasn't it I mean I think even like the kind of politics like about the new organisers and the semi-finals and all the stuff we've kind of spoken about through the season and junior races getting cancelled, all of this sort of stuff. I think all of the politics is almost, you know, it's got a bit like F1. There's always something that people can kind of complain about and moan about, about the organisation and things like that. And, and, uh, You know, like it brings the drama, doesn't it? And like and actually, although I said like maybe we shouldn't be so too dramatic about things earlier on in the season, about a couple of the political, like organizers and stuff around that, I actually think it, it brings again another thing to the to the to the game, doesn't it? You know, it brings something else for people to speak about that relates to mountain biking and and um you know, I had a situation. I had a si- few situations recently of people who sort of see that I ride and neighbors, new neighbors we've got, and things like that. And they're like, they'll speak about mountain biking and they say that looks crazy. And it's just more and more evidence that the the, the yeah the sport is growing, but the sport's always going to grow because us people that are in it love it. But it's the it's the bit the peripheral, the bit outside the sport uh, is really growing. You know, people that are very distant from this game. Are into it, and I think this season that's happened even more again. Even with the pay per view and all the other things like this, um, there's still access to watch it on YouTube and things. So, um, so yeah, ignoring whatever to talk about about improvements, whether there's semi finals, all that stuff. Just thinking about what's happened this year, I think it's been really, really cool and uh, really positive for the sport. And uh, the racing has just shown that it's been exciting every single one across every single category has been just brilliant to watch and be involved in so uh, bring on next year
0: yeah 100% I'd uh, I'd echo that has been an amazing season to watch what about you Niko you've sort of had a a mixed bag of half the season as a fan and half the
1: season as a as an athlete and a racer like how have you found it um I'd say coming to these last couple races and being able to participate I really like the practice schedule and As much as I could live without the semifinal, I think the format altogether is probably the most fair it's been ever as far as a sports competition side. Um, In the past, if I was outside of the top 60 but still Group A, I would get my Group A practice for three hours, and then I would not get the additional time training segment of practice. Whereas now, um, Group A, no matter if you're an elite man, what um, number you are, you get the two practice sessions, and the second one was normally a live track. So it was an equal opportunity to everybody I was racing against. Um, I liked that they broke the practice into a morning and an afternoon section where you didn't have to waste time from your practice to eat lunch or to take a break. It was um, the practice sections were shorter, but They, um, like everybody was there at the start, there was a line to drop in and you'd get your runs in and then head back. So I feel like they managed that really well. The juniors got to also then see the track closer to their race run and the women in the past, there would be a practice for them in the morning and then the elite men would practice, destroy the track, and then they would get to race on it and lines had changed. Ruts had blown out. So from that side, I think they did an amazing job. Um, I think the this weekend there was more cameras on the track at Mount Saint Anne than probably ever before. It was I, I I noticed like on race day morning when they broadcast the first run, it's like man, you can see the entire track on the longest track of the year. So I think that was some growing pains, and it wasn't like that at every race. Um, it was something that was. Uh, I guess, proposed to us when they came in with this new TV format that they wanted to cover the whole track. And I think they're finally getting there. And uh, the the broadcast with Aaron on it is getting so much better. I think he does an amazing job. And yeah, there was some growing pains the first year, but I think that all in all, like there's a lot of really, really positive pieces that if, can all be put in the right place they have got a good package going forwards yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it
0: how it changes for next year and how things grow but I feel like it's uh it's it's in a good spot racing was incredible this year the coverage definitely improved and uh yeah as a fan i was treated to some incredible things to watch so i'm stoked before we wrap up though we need to do our final lit kit awards of the season uh nike this week we'll start with you where are you going to send the the lit
1: kit for Saint Anne? oh man i didn't i didn't think of this in advance <laughs> <laughs> um I, I like greg menar's kit i thought it looked really good it was uh i always like red and white it's like i think it looks good for racing and it kind of when he had the photo of him next to the mount saint Anne sign i thought it fit really well um yeah i like greg's kit all right nice ollie what about you
2: it looks like i've learned through this year nico and you have forgotten to prep your lip kit but um yeah uh yeah for me the uh like well the giant team basically the vhs i think it's like a like a kind of uh, maybe it's showing my age or era or generation um but yeah that vhs kit i think um Yeah, maybe maybe when it was actually like on track, like it got a little bit lost. But I think in the photos, I was like, cool, they've done... It's quite hard to do something different now, isn't it? Let's be honest, because everyone's got new kits each week and all of this stuff. So I thought, yeah, a nice touch and, uh, yeah, it looked pretty cool.
0: It did. And uh, I'm going to pick another syndicate member, I'm afraid, and pick Laurie Greenland's kit. Um, I'm not sure on any other track on any other week of the year that would have been my lit kit. But there was something about the way that like brownie yellow and the highlight of the red logo and the white writing and everything just looked on the backdrop of the trees and the color of the leaves, that just made every photo of Laurie from the weekend. Look to me anyway, look incredible. So yeah, props to everyone involved in that and, uh, and Laurie for making some good shapes in it on the bike as well. So he might well not have got the result he wanted, but he has won a prestigious, lit kit award at the end of the season nika you're gonna add something
1: yeah it seems like laurie had the coolest kit at several of the races this year uh, but i was gonna mention about that giant kit we were in the in the gondola and i thought it was pretty funny uh sam blinkensop said to remy myersmith uh when when I was your age, that's what we used to watch on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's too true. Yeah, it definitely
0: shows the generational split between those of us that remember that stuff and those of us that don't for sure, man. Well, um, I'd love to keep talking all day because this is genuinely one of my highlights of the working week is chatting with you guys and covering these World Cup races. But this is the last one of the season. Um And we should let you guys go and enjoy the rest of your days. But thank you on behalf of me for hanging out and chatting in these uh, post shows, but also on behalf of everyone that listens and gets something out of these shows. like It's really appreciated that you guys made the time to come and share your knowledge and your experience uh, from the races. So thanks for an awesome season. Hope both of you have a good off-season. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what racing brings us
1: in 2024 because no doubt it's going to be exciting thanks chris yeah it's a pleasure thank you chris for uh providing the platform and inviting us on
0: all right that's it for this maxis tires post-race show with nico and ollie and it's also it for this season i really hope you enjoyed this and all the world cup shows that we've done during the year it's one of my favorite parts of this job and i love hearing the feedback from those of you who listen so a massive thank you to everyone who's been in touch throughout the year Also, a massive thank you to Maxxis for supporting this season. I really couldn't do these shows without their support. Maxxis have incredible tyres for you, no matter how or where you ride. So head over to Maxxis.com or visit your local Maxxis dealer and check them out. Here are a few other links that might be useful to you too downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you never miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash ep if you'd like copies of our lovely print project downtime ep if you want to help support the show then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast as always spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening that's it for today but until next time get out and ride